You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. Hey there. You know, I've been paying a lot of attention to the idea of specificity in terms of what we want versus what we get. Because there's often a discrepancy, isn't there? I remember um, listening to Vishen Lakiani, who's the founder of Mind Valley, and he tells a story about having a strong desire to represent his country at a sporting event. Against the odds, he made it to the team, only to be knocked out almost immediately when they got to the tournament. In his reflections, he wondered why he hadn't specified when thinking about this desire that he wanted to represent his country on the winner's podium rather than from the benches. So this is where we're going today, from impressionistic ideas of what we want to fine-grained photorealism. What we dream, we can create, right? But on the flip side of that, you've also probably heard the saying, the devil is in the detail. It's always in the fine print that we don't always take the time to read that we discovered the downside of what we wanted. So we need to pay that dream attention. We need to write our own contract, fine print and all. This advice isn't new and it's not unique. Napoleon Hill was advising it a century ago and I'm sure he wasn't the first either. But for many of us, this doesn't come naturally. We're not particularly well versed in defining what we want in detail. You know, we're told from an early age that we get what we get and we don't get upset. And, you know, we're, we're considered ungrateful if we're not satisfied with what we have. And on top of that, we get warned all the time to be careful what we wish for. There's definitely a lot of wisdom in that cliched advice. But how about we reframe it from a dire warning to maybe a form of more encouraging mentorship? Something like wishes come true all the time. So be sure you know what you want and why. So today we're going to think about how you construct a perfect affirmation. Affirmation recitation is a widely used technique that effectively promotes neuroplasticity by building habitual thoughts. However, I'm here to tell you that they can be double-edged swords. Used incorrectly, this seemingly innocuous technique can actually hinder more than it helps. Because when it comes to making the progress you want, your brain is actually pretty damn clever and tricky. It often rejects a lot of the stuff that you're trying to get it to believe because That requires making changes that cost energy or in some other way feel threatening. Irish people commonly say, I will, yeah, but what they actually mean is no chance. Will you remember to put out the bins in the morning? I will, yeah. Will you ring your Auntie Mary to say happy birthday? I will, yeah. Will you do that thing before you head out? I will, yeah. Statistically, very few of those things get done, despite the seemingly sound verbal contract in place. Your brain is a bit Irish in that way. You can consciously get it to repeat any affirmation you like. I'm going to become a millionaire. I'm going to start a new business. I'm going to run a marathon. And you think your brain is agreeing with you because it's repeating this stuff consciously, which is thanks to your willpower. But deep down in the unconscious mind, it's going, yeah, right. Not a single hope. I will, yeah. (laughs) So why would it do that to you? Why would it set you up for failure? Well, again, here we have to think about this from a slightly different perspective. What's the risk you're asking yourself to take? Is it visibility? Is it failure? Is it your security? There are a few core emotional factors that we can generally relate this resistance back to. 
But there's also the fact that change, which you're often requesting in an affirmation, change is hard. It takes energy. And if you're not in grave danger, some very powerful parts of your brain very often don't see the point. Unless you can motivate it. Now, I'll refer you back to episode 61 for a bit more on that. But first, let's look at how taking the time to craft your affirmation can make it a much more useful tool. So there are three rules for this process. Rule number one, the first rule of Affirmation Club is you do not talk about Affirmation Club. Actually, no, the first rule of Affirmation Club is don't be vague. What you need to think about when crafting your affirmation is the detail and the outcomes that you want. Let's use one of my things as an example. So I like to kill two birds with one stone. And while I'm walking, I'll either be listening to an audiobook or working on something like this. And by working on, I mean setting the parameters and refining it for the duration of the walk. It can take 30 to 40 minutes to actually get it to fully click into place. It kind of helps to imagine that you're a safe cracker in front of one of those big old steel doors. And behind it is your unconscious with its massive resources of motivation and inspiration. You're on the outside right now with your ear to the door, trying to click all the little bits of the lock into place. Each of the digits that you crack on the dial will help you craft that perfect affirmation. Here's rule number two. Be patient. Be calm. Know that you will crack this. So my affirmation was far from perfect when I started out. It was something like this. It's a great day to work on finding new collaborators. That's the first click. I know that it would be really nice to meet some people to bring new perspectives to a project I'm working on. Let's call this the outline sketch. It's very impressionistic. Now, at this point, you might be wondering why I didn't say today I want to get new collaborators or I need to get new collaborators or even I'm going to get new collaborators. And that's a really good question. And as you've spotted, it's probably a little bit different to the typical phrasing. So the language that we use in these really matters, believe it or not. Our brains are listening and we need to create positive conditions that are more carrot than stick. Again, episode 61 has a bit more on this. When we're very direct with affirmations, as is often recommended, it might sound strong and determined and committed, but it's also backing us into a corner in a way and we're becoming a little rigid. I'm absolutely, definitely going to do this today. Yeah, but what if it takes a bit longer? What if your computer breaks? What if the people I reach out to are away and don't respond or need time to think? What if I have a better idea? Well, then I'm going to becomes a bit like a rod to beat our own backs with. It can also reinforce habitual thinking like I'll never be successful or I'm not good enough or I'm not cut out for this or no matter what it do, it doesn't work. And experiencing those feelings is not pleasant and your brain wants to protect you from those. So it finds excuses not to do things. Now, If we say I want or particularly I need, then we're already on the back foot. We're telling ourselves that there is something that is missing. Something is in short supply. You might think this is starting to sound like crazy woo woo abundance manifestation nonsense, but bear with me. An open mind is a most useful asset. The more we believe that we have the resources we need, the safer we feel and the more open we are to innovation and engagement and opportunity and the more stressed we feel the less security we feel we have and the less likely we are to relax enough to find those great solutions. So when we use this, it's a great day for kind of phrasing. It's not a need or a want. It's all bonus. So instead of saying today I wanted or I need or even I'm going to, we leave it open. We don't close it off. We leave it open to possibility. Today is a great day for doing this or 
Wouldn't it be wonderful? So again, we're throwing it open to possibility and we'll see what happens. This means that we're not confining ourselves to what we think should happen. We're being open to what can happen. We're thinking less about wants and needs and more about possibility and opportunity. Today is a great day to work on finding new collaborators. But that's not exactly a perfect affirmation, is it? It's all a bit vague news. I mean, for a start, new collaborators for what? If I'm that nebulous, I could end up falling down a rabbit hole of collaborators for a project that I no longer want to work on. So there's another click on the door. Today's a great day to find collaborators to work on the Neurodevelopment Institute. Okay, now I've specified what I want collaborators to get involved with. I'm not looking for collaborators to start a new crafting project. I'm not looking for collaborators to start a new club. I'm specifically looking for collaborators for the Neurodevelopment Institute. Every click we hear on that big old vault door as we refine this affirmation is bringing it nearer and nearer to alignment with what we actually want. And it's ruling out what we don't want. For instance, if you want to order Chinese food, you look carefully at what's on the menu. And if you don't like mushrooms, you either don't order a dish that contains mushrooms or you specifically ask them to leave the mushrooms out, right? Similarly, if you want to work on finding new clients, but you have a free and a paid offer, then be specific about which type you want to work on attracting. As we craft this affirmation, by the way, we're basically preparing a brief for our right hemisphere so that it can come up with a creative solution. The refining process serves the purpose not just of giving specific instruction, but it also allows time for what I call the mullinator to kick in. Once we've got that in place, we can call in our list making, checkboxing, plan executing left hemisphere to get it done. If we don't take the time to get the right brief to our right hemisphere, then we'll probably be executing faulty plans. So by now this affirmation's getting warm. Today's a great day for finding new collaborators for the Neurodevelopment Institute. Again, let's chunk down, as they say. What kind of collaborators exactly? People to help with marketing? People to help with platforms and design? People to help with planning and strategy? Well, yes, but no. Today I'm looking ahead. I want to find collaborators for Brain Awareness Week 2023. Brain Awareness Week, by the way, is an annual event that hundreds of organizations participate in around the world to raise awareness of, well, brains. Because <laughs> having a human brain is a pretty strange experience, as you can probably tell from the way this conversation is going. So the team and I will be looking to create some events that will tie in with Brain Awareness Week and support our mission of creating awareness and evoking change. And we want more voices, more perspectives and more expertise in the mix. Click. We've moved a step closer. Today is a great day to work on finding collaborators for the Neurodevelopment Institute's Brain Awareness Week program. Anything else in that click? Actually, yes. Today is a great day to work on finding collaborators for the Neurodevelopment Institute's Brain Awareness Week program so that we can create a more rounded and useful program of events. This is starting to look pretty solid, right? There's still something missing. There's a bit of why outstanding. I might need a final turn of the dial on this. Today is a great day to work on finding collaborators for the Neurodevelopment Institute's Brain Awareness Week program so that we can create a more rounded and useful program of events so that more people learn about brain science to improve their lives and the lives of others. More people? One more? Two more? A million more? Well, <laughs> that would be nice, obviously. But here's the thing. We can just put a placeholder number in. We can adjust it. Maybe we don't even know how to specify that now, but at least we've identified that we don't know. So we're getting there. Bit of another tweak as I say it. This is the art bit that goes with the science. It's kind of like a wine tasting. You've got to let it roll around in your mouth to really appreciate it. 
Today, I want to find a way to attract collaborators for the Neurodevelopment Institute Brain Awareness Week program of events so that more people will be attracted to learn about brain science because of our irresistible lineup of interesting and accessible events. Yeah, all right, what's next? You're probably thinking, dear Lord, is she not done yet? How does she ever get anything done if it takes her this long to decide what to do? Well, yeah, I, I don't normally make a podcast about it, so that does help. But a stitch in time saves nine. Or, as they used to say where I grew up, the longest road out is the shortest road home. And now we've crafted a pretty nice affirmation. There's a feeling of satisfaction that comes with nailing this bit, so we're already feeling pretty good. A little bit of dopamine on the go there. It's kind of the alignment reward. So let's work with that. Let's think about our mood as we repeat this affirmation and why that's important. Because if you say this in a way that doesn't actually give you that feeling like you're optimistic and energetic and confident and proud of what you're going to achieve, for instance, then you're missing a trick. If you're saying it in a bad mood or with feelings of frustration or overwhelm or dejection or something like that, then it's going to go into your brain and get filed under bad mood stuff. The mood or the emotion will override the words. And that's not really going to help you get this done. Now, we're well able to create states and moods, and we've got the classic example of anticipating something nice, like a holiday or a special occasion. On the other hand, we more than likely also know the feeling of being anxious about something, a presentation or an interview, maybe a hard conversation. Interestingly, the physical sensations are often quite similar. Sensations in the gut, tightness in the throat and chest, feeling flushed, changes in breathing. Let's think about uh, the night before your birthday when you were a kid and you're super excited and you can't get to sleep. You've got butterflies in your stomach and you're all wriggly and it's a great sensation. You're just really excited about it and you can't wait. Now, let's swap that over and think about the day before a big test on a subject you didn't really like. The sensations might be similar, but you're not enjoying them. So if you can actually think about that and map the same sensations, you know, for excitement and anxiety, there's the, the same kind of concoction going on in our brains. It doesn't always look like that because of what we're expecting to happen, but it's very, very similar. So it really is about what we tell our brain, which is a combination of the words that we use and the mood and the physical posture or expression that, we're, that we take when we're saying the words. Going right back to Napoleon Hill, he was able to identify that the brain was pretty much neutral about what went in. So if you put in bad mood, you get back bad mood. If you put in good mood, you get back good mood. So the simplest strategies to apply here are to stand or sit comfortably, release any tightness in your body, and believe it or not, smile. Our body gives the brain certain signals by adopting certain positions. For instance, you're more likely to be open to new ideas or suggestion if your palms are facing up, which is how we accept things, right? You can't accept something from someone else if your palms are facing down. And this is where applied neuroscience really helps because we have so many very effective tools and techniques for helping you to understand the journey from one energetic state to to another, from one mood to another. So before we wrap up, having an affirmation is a really simple tool that can prove very effective if we take the time to really craft it. Taking the shallow or lazy approach to affirmations won't help you. And having some that are off the peg, that's great, but you really need to make sure that they do fit. So it may actually make things worse if you don't give these affirmations the consideration that they're due, the considerations that your plans and wishes and desires are due. And sometimes simple solutions applied the wrong way make things worse. So how can affirmations make make things worse? I mean, how can repeating a positive statement to yourself over and over again make it worse? 
Well, if you have a situation, for instance, where you're repeating a mantra or an affirmation and you don't achieve it, then if you're the sort of person who's going to beat yourself up about that, if you're the sort of person who maybe has feelings of worthlessness or not good enough or any of these inner critics that are getting in the way of accepting things as they are and trying to match them to some expectation of something that you think you should do, then you're probably not going to get a lot of value from an affirmation that you maybe set too high. Now, this isn't to take away from the high hard goals thing. That's great. But my high hard goals are an end game. And we quite often need to set a lot of interim steps to get there. Maybe try not to only set the big high hard goal. If your affirmation starts with, I'm going to be bigger than JK Rowling, break it down. This is another example of how we can integrate left and right hemisphere thinking. That big vision, the whole forest is very right hemisphere. But we need to make a plan to deliver that vision. And that's where the left kicks in with the plans and the strategies and the logic. It's a beautifully harmonious system. Of that, there's no doubt. We just need to get it working with us instead of against us. And this is where one of the things you need to think about when using affirmations is what you really want. The key place that they fall down is if we're not actually honest about what it is that we want. Is this something we think we should be doing or something we genuinely love doing? If it's a should type of goal that our affirmation is backing up, then we're in a very good place to actually knock ourselves down instead of build ourselves up. So rule number three is be honest with yourself. So again, the keys to this are specificity, patience and self-awareness. When we can get those three built in, then we have a fair shot at this. But also we need to match the timescale with the affirmation that we're going to put in place or that we're going to use. So there's no point in saying this week I'm going to make a million pounds and then be disappointed at the end of the week when it hasn't happened. If the end goal takes grit, the affirmation takes achievability. If you're setting something that you don't believe you can be or that you don't believe you can do, then how do you actually expect to do it or for this to work? What is it that you believe is possible for you? And if you don't believe that something is possible, what are the things that you'd need to make it possible? If you can see the things that you'd need to make it possible, are you willing to do them? If not, what is the obstacle? Now, a final pointer, once you have crafted your perfect affirmation, is a trap to avoid. And that is becoming attached to the outcome of the affirmation. Attachment has to be distinguished from commitment to and belief in, by the way. So if we believe it's possible, if we're committed to making it possible, that's different to being attached to it happening. So then if there's a hiccup or, you know, we hadn't thought about something and our planning needs to be revised or we realize that maybe it wasn't the right thing, we don't have to get caught up in being disappointed by feeling like we failed or we've let ourselves down or, you know, we're just not good enough. So to put it another way, we have to relinquish the results and see the achievement of an affirmation as a process. If we've crafted this affirmation well, if we've crafted a goal that we're committed to, then we should be able to, we should feel like there's a positive emotional attractor that will draw us to, towards it. The carrot as opposed to the stick. The carrot is something you want. The stick is a negative emotional attractor. It's the thing that you don't want. It's trying to avoid a consequence or something. So we generally try to move towards the positive outcome, towards a result that we desire and feel connected to, rather than trying to move away from something that we don't want or, you know, trying to avoid something that we don't want. You know, crafting a perfect affirmation is a bit like a self-coaching exercise. You're reflecting on and drilling down into goals and values in a way that we don't often take enough time to do. If you've already got a coach, you may well work on this kind of drill down with them. And if you don't, maybe it's worth considering. 
I'll pop any resources that I can think of into the notes to go with this. But don't forget, the master affirmator himself, Napoleon Hill, is the subject of my weekly reading group that you can attend absolutely free by going to ambitionincubator.com forward slash BBC. I'll maybe see you there. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there. So thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice and bite-sized brain science every week. Bye.